This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Everybody, welcome to another episode of Outside Looking In, the podcast series where I talk to somebody from every market or every team in the NBA, kind of so we can understand what's going on with their team. So you learn about the league at large. And then additionally, we learn about the consensus of how the Raptors are viewed through all the other organizations or fan bases, writers, whatever it is. And today, Bruno Passos, he's a writer at Pounding the Rock. That is a Spurs website for those who don't know. And we're here to talk about the formerly known as DeMar DeRozan's team, formerly known as Kawhi Leonard's team. There's a lot of history between the Raptors and the Spurs. Now it's Greg Popovich's paycheck, if we're believed. And uh, yeah, Bruno, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Samson. Thanks for having me. You know, still shaking off the cobwebs of the offseason and uh, ready to um, you know follow this team. I guess you could say they're Jakob Pertle's Spurs now to keep it with the, the Raptors theme. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's everybody loves when you view your team through the lens of another. So we'll, we'll follow that thread. The Kawhi Leonard thing. I just want to ask you quick. I don't know if I've asked a Spurs writer about this specifically, but what is your cliff notes? We're a couple of years removed from it. What are your thoughts on the Kawhi Leonard debacle and trade and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So, I mean, that situation was fun for me because that was actually my first year uh, covering the team on the beat. So first year credentialed kind of in, in, in and around the team closely for the first time. So came in with certain expectations, kind of the weirdness started out with, with him and uh, being you know far less present and um, making a statement that he was going to start, you know, missing a few games. So um, yeah, it was um, a really strange thing to watch unfold just because of, you know, minimal, minimal information. And, um, you know, you start getting a certain narrative that comes through with what might be happening around his circle. And um, no, it was it was a strange thing. I, I think I sided somewhere in the middle as, as far as like trying to be a little empathetic with someone going through um, what was, what's obviously, I think, still an ongoing, you know, injury situation with him, which is why he's been unable to you know, play a full season and, and missed uh, a handful of postseasons now. Um, but um, no, extremely unfortunate. Um, yeah, I think it, I think he could have certainly handled it better if he wanted to and to appease, you know, not only, um, you know, the fan base in the city, but also an organization that was so heavily invested in him. Um, I, without having, you know, full access to information as far as what happened with the, the handling of his injury, there may have been some mistakes made on, on the Spurs side as well. Who's, it's hard to say. So trying to give him a bit of the benefit of the doubt, doubt there. But um, ultimately, really unfortunate, you know, the Spurs were, you know, had such a good thing going with him um, up until uh, that 2017 uh, series, uh, you know, third quarter against the Warriors where it looked like they could have been pulling something off and, um, you know, everything turned sour there leads into the off season and then that regular season. And, um, you know, a lot of fans are still extremely bitter about it. Understandably, um, he'll still be getting his series of boos when he comes through, but 
you know, just unfortunate. Wished um, could have been handled better, but um, you know, the 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 organization is still rallying, you know, reeling a little bit now and trying to find its footing from that, you know, five years out. It's it was interesting finding out, not even initially with all that reporting, but kind of afterwards that he has a degenerative knee issue. Like there's a there's a lot to juggle as far as maintaining Kawhi Leonard's health. The Raptors were a deep team at the time, and luckily they were able to do so and still maintain the, I guess, inertia, the momentum that they had during the regular season, obviously, ending up with the championship. There's no reason really why the Spurs the year before couldn't have been, or the year prior to that, couldn't have been a similar story, like another Kawhi Leonard Finals MVP. That's interesting. But as you said, reeling, they had DeMar, they were, you know, the back end of the playoff picture in the Western Conference, which is a tough place to get to with how deep the league is, but a place that they were. And I honestly, I'm I'm curious from your point of view, if you were somebody, let's say it's just a fan of the league, the Raptors fans mostly listen to this podcast, but you're selling the Spurs for this season. What are what narrative are you pitching? What players are you saying to saying to pay attention to? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's 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 not a, a team for everyone to follow this year. Obviously, you know they're um, you know they, they 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 tried the Demar thing out, didn't work, and I think somewhere along the way they had a reality check that you know they had to kind of start fresh, which meant not only moving on from uh, Demar but Dejounte Murray, Derek White, you know, um, just you know reshuffle shuffle up again completely. And so that's what we're looking at right now as a team that's you know really just taking the long view, a um, lot of youth. So, you know, people who are really into, you know, watching those prospects develop, maybe you know, people who follow the draft and, um, you know, had, had these names sort of circled for their own team. You know, you can now watch them do some, in a situation where the Spurs don't really, you know, um, treat prospects in a way where they're going to be thrown into the into the deep end a little bit. And, you know, normally the Spurs are quite, um, uh, you know, measured with how they introduce prospects. You know, they spend a lot of time in Austin. They get limited minutes with the um, with the main team. We're not going to be seeing that now. We're going to be seeing rookies getting, you know, some you know, 20, 25 minutes a night maybe. We're going to be seeing second and third year guys featured and, um, you know, handling uh, the kind of load and usage that, you know, you don't normally see here. So um, I think it's a, you know, really, you know, interesting situation to just see, you know, what happens. I think, um, you know, it's, it's a blank slate, probably not many wins, but, you know, you go, even go look at back to last year and no one really expected the kind of season from DeJounte Murray that he had. Is there something like that in the cards? Maybe not on that same level, but the kind of leap that's, you know, really fun to track and see develop from somebody like a Keldon Johnson or a Devin Vassell. Um, so, you know, a Josh Primo even. Um, I think that's where, you know, it's, it's, again, not for everybody, but if you're somebody who likes to see those journeys happen, if you want to appreciate the sort of primordial stage that this team's at where it could come out um, into something special down the road, this is where that kind of stuff really starts. And, you know, if you're an appreciator of Greg Popovich, no idea how many seasons he has left. So I think just, you know, taking that in every day and appreciating him for, you know, what he is and what, you know, what the parties played in, in, in this league. Um, you know, I think there's, there's something there as well. So in the, in the limited times you're going to be exposed to them uh, with the, 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 you know, the few games that you may be able to catch. I think, um, uh, I think it's worth tuning in and seeing, you know, just what, what's going on with some of those young guys and, and pop. It's really interesting. You brought Vassell. Vassell is one of the most interesting young players in the league to me mostly because of his utility defensively. Uh, there, There's some people, I think it was PD Webb, player development Webb, who does, you know, some, not a bunch of NBA stuff anymore, but he works with like drafting process and scouting with Cerebro. He compared Devin Vassell to the, you know, the Dr. Strange, like working through the 14 million different things. 
And Vassell is figuring out the perfect way to defend an action. And that ends up with him getting blowing up a lot of actions with his length, his activity, and his feel on that side of the floor. But additionally, a lot of steals, a lot of defensive playmaking as well. But on top of that, I think we're looking for Vassell to find his way between, you know, the Michael Bridges situation where you're a guy who there's not a lot of creation off your own dribble, but maybe you're a guy who you're coming off pin downs, you hit shots from there, you can make secondary reads once you put the ball down, once the advantage is already created. And then you scale as high as somebody as like Paul George, this wing who's going to create and going to hit pull up jumpers and all this kind of stuff. So this is maybe not so much for the listener, but my selfishness. Vassell, if I can just get kind of your idea of him currently. Yeah, I think you're spot on with those comps. I actually spoke with him last year, brought, brought up the idea of like kind of archetypes and labels and all that, like that three I three and D idea who he's been compared to in the past. He's very aware of the Mikhail Bridges comps mm-hmm. and you know the, the length and the measurables there. Um, and you know, I think the Spurs are hoping for a similar trajectory where you start seeing a bit of that off the dribble, you know, defensively, he's so fun to watch like on the weak side and what, what, what kind of havoc he can wreak. And I think we're hoping to see that uh, this year, but yeah, I think it's on the offensive end that really hoping to see that next leap. And I think he's going to get as many touches as, as he wants, um, whether it's on ball or looking to, for, to catch him on, you know, shooting off movement. Um, we saw a little bit of that um, last season, especially towards uh, the tail end. And yeah, I, I, you know, I think people have sort of, projected that type of ceiling with him is what can he do can he have a sort of chris middleton type in between game and um you know do a little bit with pull-ups so um it'll they haven't really you know showed their hand too much as to what they're going to do with him but i think a lot more on ball stuff um i think there's they're they're not going to try and put too much on any individual player to start but i think just by nature and and just by the void left behind by how many how much Dejounte murray did you're going to have a lot of that absorbed by guys like Vassell. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see. We saw um, a bit of everything last season, and I think we're trying to see more of all of it. Um, you know, if, if the Spurs um, can, you know, be that much more excited about his future and, and their future and, and what kind of piece he can be for them. So back to the Raptors then. This is a team who they're building not completely dissimilar from everybody in the NBA. Some teams are big in the middle. Some teams like the long wings. The the Magic are an example of that. The Bucks tried to do this in when Jason Kidd was there. Boston, to some degree, did that when Tice was their center. The Raptors played that version of the Celtics. But I'm curious what you think from the outside looking in. The Raptors currently, with guys like Pascal, Scotty, OG, Precious, building through the middle of the floor and trying to extend those arms into the center position, and not yet encroaching upon the point guard position because Fred is there. But curious what you think about that that approach to team building. Yeah, I mean, they invested. They they have they. I think they show that they have a bit of a type, right? And and they invested mm-hmm. heavily in that type. And it's the type of player that the, the whole league really values. You know, there's no team that will not um, pick up the phone to to hear you know an OG and an OB trade, or um, you know Pascal Siakam. Those are the types of guys that because you can move them around because they can defend multiple uh, multiple uh, positions and and do a bit of everything offensively that's that's you know invaluable and every team can do more with more of those but the raptors have been interesting because they 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 do sort of um they they push the question of can you have too many of of one type of player and um i think we're still seeing that sort of play out as to you know what do you do when uh, you have a lot of guys who have that defensive um versatility and and that length um, and can can probably hit uh, a catch a, a catch and shoot three comfortably, but maybe you don't you don't have too many guys who can 
create for themselves off the dribble, who can produce something out of nothing offensively, aside from, like you said, Fred um, and uh, maybe Gary Trent Jr. a little bit as well. But um, it's, it's, it's interesting from an outsider's point of view. I don't have a firm opinion on it. I'm, I'm interested to see how it continues to play out and maybe the continued development of somebody like Scotty um, and, and how that sort of plays into it. And can this team not only be um, just a monster defensively and, and you know, play against literally anybody, but um, also, you know, in the half court offensively, um, you know, be a problem and, and maximize that, that length um, on, on that end of the floor. I think, um, you know, I have not watched, I didn't watch them intensely last year and I'll be watching a bit more of every team. I think this year just because of, um, you know, hmm. I think just the, the way things are on our end here and, um, the Raptors are a fun team. Um, they, 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 uh, have those early tip offs for, for us here in the central time zone. So it's, um, an easy one to pick up and watch. So I'll be watching them. And I think, um, it, it feels like a bit of an, exp- like a basketball experiment to me. I don't know if that's how you guys feel as well. Um, and you know, whether at some point it becomes a little, um, redundant in terms of the type of player or not, but um, I hope they at least you know continue to explore it a little bit before um, before moving somebody. They've definitely found some interesting things out, and me personally, I can't wait to see how the no guard lineups work this year. They won a bunch of minutes with it last year, but it was uh, the NBA as a whole, like with all the COVID protocol and all that kind of stuff going on last year sample sizes could be thrown out of whack in a moment's notice. So I'm very curious for that. But the Spurs and Raptors do play twice every year. And in your history of watching those two teams play, covering those teams, can you reach into the memory bank of like, who pops? You know, every team has a guy. When when I think of the Spurs and I watch the Spurs, I think of Keldon Johnson on the weak side, getting like a pump and just detonating at the rim. I think of Vassell's, you know, defensive playmaking. You would think of DeJounte Murray's all over the court ability. Of course, the defense fell a little bit as the offensive, the usage really ratcheted up. But for the Raptors, when you think of that team, does anybody pop in your mind? Um, I'd say two. Uh, Fred Van Vliet's always been a, a favorite of mine. I love watching um, those guys who are just fearless and, um, you know, just there for the moment. He obviously stepped up in the, in the, the Raptors title run, um, had hit some big shots. And, um, I, I've just, you know, you obviously also appreciate his journey and, and, um, uh, I, I, I just really enjoy watching him, you know, just create. Uh, so he's definitely one, um, OG Ananobi, someone who's always been on my radar. I think, um, we, we kind of hoped in, in, what 2017 maybe was his draft that uh maybe he dropped down to this you know for the spurs and, and that's the type of player that um uh, any team wants but obviously the spurs uh could really do with now because of um uh they just kind of punted on the exact type of player that the raptors have really gone after um for a while um so um have really enjoyed him i think he had a big shot in the bubble playoffs uh, a buzzer beater and um yeah. just uh like his attitude he's just uh kind of stone cold and, and not, not, uh, doesn't talk too much. Just lets his game speak for himself. So, um, always appreciate him as well. Siakam's obviously really fun as well. Just, um, million spin moves and, and, and can get to the basket at will. Uh, so really fun there. And, uh, no, just a really fun team up and down. Um, have appreciated him and, uh, probably could have appreciated him a little bit more if, uh, Kawhi had not ended up there, but, mm. um, still a, um, uh, no, just obviously a, a, a easy, um, organization to respect by, you know, just the way they've, um, built and, and stayed competitive, uh, uh, you know, throughout. So with the Spurs, I'm not really sure how they're building. 
I'm not sure if there's an overarching, as you, you said just a little bit ago that they kind of shunted building the way that the Raptors like, or they turned away that, that archetype, let's say. What way do you think they're currently building when you look at this roster and how they're kind of putting it together? Yeah, so I think now feels a little bit like a, a, a shift from how they have in years past with how they've approached the draft and the type of players that they targeted. targeted. We talked about um, the Raptors maybe having a type in that sort of 6'9", long, um, uh, multi-positional uh, archetype. And the Spurs kind of went a little bit smaller for uh, the last – at least up until this last last draft for four or five years where they kind of prioritized more of the six five combo guard types that's really what they went after and they ended up maybe with a bit too many of those um and so again kind of punting on the the the, the point guard position and the, if you want to say the power forward position i know that's a bit of a it's, it's all sort of fluid terminology mm-hmm. these days but um shot creation and defensive versatility were not really prioritize i think as much as they could have um and i think they're they're treating this right now as they're, they're trying to get those guys who can be those go-to scorers and so this last draft um they did pick sohan first to try and i think make up for a bit of that um lack of defensive versatility and get a raptors type guy um but then the next two picks were more of those bucket getter types to kind of i think um maximize their chances their lottery tickets at um, kind of hitting a bit bigger with one. So they, they, they selected Malachi Branham and Blake Wesley. They have them to go with, you know, your Josh Primo, your Devin Vassell. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you're, you're hoping there that trusting your development system and just hoping that, you, you know, you find that, that lightning in a bottle, that, um, that all-star caliber player among those. If, if you have enough of those players who can do a bit of everything with a bit of that shot creation upside. So I think they are chasing that type of player and, um, They've got um, uh, a lot more um, opportunities at getting them with as they amass more picks, and they'll have another high pick um, of, uh, more than likely this year and probably the years to come. So they'll have more of those. But I think they they are needing that sort of offensive focal point. Um, but yeah, they're 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 um, they're where they're at for a reason. So I think you know they're they're trying to just I think accumulate talent um, across the board. Um, but I think they're a little bit more ahead of the curve now and in, in, in terms of trying to find that that offensive piece um, where they, they feel like they can you know start generating traction and develop that offensive identity around them. So are the writers, are the fans doing the thing, the wish casting thing that most rebuilding teams do? Like, is it scoot season over there? Is it, you know, tank for Wembenyama? Like, what's the what's the emotions around the fan base? Who are they oh, eyeing? No. They're getting Wimbanyama, right? It's they're, oh, they're, yeah. right. Four, four, two, what fourteen percent chance at one? It's 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 seventy five percent minimum. Um, no, I I think that's that, that's definitely you know as soon as, oh, I mean as as soon as the Dejounte Murray trade happened and they really showed their their hand. Um, that's I think when people just immediately started looking ahead to the drafts and it's it's hard not to ignore a seven. I don't even know seven five. How tall is? Victor yeah, like giant, yeah man i don't know it seems like he grows an inch every day dude he, <laughs> yeah, he might be seven eight by now he could be yeah um so it, it's obviously scoot there's a, it's a loaded class so it's a good year to be bad um and so they they should have a good chance at one of those you know i think top four top five guys in a good year to be bad so um when Banyama, i think feels like the prize um uh, but you know if you finish like you know third fourth fifth you're still going to come out with a good player. The Spurs, um, 
will probably remain active and and, and trying to move some of their other um, vets like a, like a Yaka Pirtle um, or um, you know Doug McDermott, Josh Richardson, some you know try and fetch, um, try and just you know a- accumulate that uh, that draft uh, cl- um, collateral um, as they go along. So. Um, you know, I, I think definitely looking at, um, Wembenyama right now, that's the hope, but, um, I, I think, you, you know, you, the consolation prizes are still, you know, some, some mm-hmm. not, not too shabby either. So we bring up the, the Pirtle thing. Pirtle has been tied to the Raptors, not just because he used to play there, but because the Raptors have been rumored to be searching for a center and, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire typically applies. I, I, it, it would surprise me if the newsbreakers kept including the Raptors in every center discussion just because they wanted to, rather than the center, the Raptors actually inquiring upon centers when they are available. Pirtle kind of seems, as you said, set up to be a guy who's going to be on the block. They're going to see what kind of nibbles there are. So let's, we're the GMs. I'm Bobby Webster. I don't know the name of the Spurs GM off the... What's Brian Wright. There you go. Right. And so we're, we're the two guys. If you're, if you're trying to trade me or if, if I'm saying like, Hey, I want to trade for Pirtle, who are you trying to get out back from me? Is it just draft stuff? Is there a player you like at the end of the bench? Is there maybe a rotation guy you want to try and squeeze? What's the, what's the move for you? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the eye really has to be on the draft stock. I think right now for, for the Spurs, you know, there, nothing is going to move the needle in the short term. They could obviously look at a young piece that could, that, that could develop, but they do seem just so far removed from, you know, being in that sort of playoff contention um, tier that, um, you know, I think they are going to be looking at at least, you know, a, a, a decent first round pick. Um, obviously salary needs to match as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be something in that. And then, um, you know, if, if they find another piece that they, you know, gives them a, a good placeholder, um, in the middle, I think they, that, that'll, that, that'll be a sweetener. Um, as far as the Raptors roster, um, without having the, 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 the trade machine fired up, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know, um, how will, you know, it's, it's Chris Boucher, someone that the Raptors are willingly, um, looking to move on from. I, I, I don't think that that would be. Um, a bad uh, value add to the deal, but um, you know, I think that the you know draft um, draft capital is really where it's at for for the Spurs right now. So um, you know, maybe the conversation progresses with the Raptors that way. But um, you know, it's, it seems seems like Pirtle's due for another strong year. So um, potentially, we might see some more suitors line up as, uh, as the year goes along. That's the interesting aspect of it because Thad, even just last year, these two teams traded with each other. Thad. I would say for most teams was not, you would not have gotten a first round pick for Thad. But for the Raptors, you know, it was, they traded the, I get, it was either the 20th or 23rd pick for the 31st or the 32nd pick, whatever it was. Yeah. Or it, was the Pistons, maybe. it was the Pistons second rounder. Yeah, yeah. 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 And they traded that. So they moved back like 12 or so spots to add Thad Young. And many teams probably wouldn't have done that last year, but Thad fit well on the Raptors. And that did bear out. Like Thad, he won his minutes. And, you know, he's probably going to win more minutes again this year. He's a he's a brilliant player. But the Raptors, you know, as much as we want to do the like, hey, let's do the play GM thing. One of those GM, like the GMs, they like a player on one team. And that's typically what greases the wheels between conversations. Like 
if they like somebody on the end of the Raptors bench, if they think Delano Banton rocks, if they think Malachi Flynn is the most underutilized guard on a bench in the league, then, you know, we're cooking with gas. But if they think neither is any good, then it doesn't matter what any other team thinks. It doesn't matter what the Raptors think. It's just that's how it's going to shake out. But yeah, I'm very interested to see how the Spurs play this year because there's a lot of interesting players who are looking to develop their own games. But that also has to coalesce with everybody else on the court. And that was something I was watching for last year and talked about last year on more, not Raptor stuff, but NBA adjacent work. And it was like DeJounte Murray came and kind of gobbled that up and turned it into a very good season for himself. But the usage was to the moon. Yeah. I'm very curious. Do you have a um, a destined hierarchy you want to see? Is like, you know, every team has a hierarchy to some degree. There, there, There's a list that goes down, like this guy gets it, this guy gets it, this guy gets it. And then they interweave with actions and all that kind of stuff. But when you look at this team, who do you want having the ball the most? And who would you like on secondary actions and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, so <laughs> options are a little limited on this team on that, like, uh, which is why the question, I think, is, is being posed in the first place here. It's um, uh, Murray leaves behind a huge, um, you know, usage rate and um, touches and uh, the pick and roll. I think um, I was looking, they had something like 3,700 pick and roll plays that ended either in a, you know, a shot attempt or an assist. This, the, the the highest player remaining on this roster who in terms of um, those touches is Trey Jones, who I think had something in the range of 300. So between Derek White and Lonnie Walker and DeJounte Murray, all of that's gone. And mm-hmm. few people even have the experience of, of doing so and, and, and knowing what to do with it, making the reads and creating and uh, pulling up off the dribble. The Spurs were last in the league and pull up three-point attempts. And it's typically the case, um, a minor gripe of mine as well. Um so it's it's going to be interesting as far as preferred pecking order. I think it, it's 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 you have sort of two questions here: whether it's the person who's going to be um, coordinating a lot of those actions and the person who's actually going to be taking a lot of those attempts, because the Spurs are going to be a lot doing a lot of stuff out of you know multiple actions and uh, dribble handoffs and uh, catch and shoots. You know, Keldon Johnson is the, the highest returning. Um, score on the team, but he's you know mostly a catch and shoot and guy guy who attacks closeouts. I'm not sure if I really want him sort of inheriting a lot of those um, you know pick and roll isos um, at least to start. He's he's just maybe probably not there. And um, as much as you know the Spurs are suited for tanking, I still do like to sort of imagine a, a functional team on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, so I still see him largely kind of fulfilling that role um, with you know a bit of Trey Jones a bit of De- Devin Vassell and I think leaning on uh, Josh Richardson still makes um, a bit of sense coming, coming into this year. I've um, kind of played around with the idea of, you know, just, just gunning towards making Josh Richardson a 20 point scorer per game, just because he's one of the most you know comfortable, I think in, in, in those settings, just from, um, you know, having done so in the past in Miami. Um, I, um, and, you know, in a cynical way of speaking, it's uh it, it would set up his, uh, his, his trade stock that much more, um, which is something that uh, they'll be probably looking to do and moving him closer to the deadline. So I kind of like the idea of just, um, you know, just really, you know, feeding him the ball because he can do a little bit of everything. He knows how to um, set up teammates. He's, he's um, and, and, and he can, he can score somewhat at, at, at all three levels for the team. Um, and, you know, at the same time, it's not a developmental mistake. If, you know, you throw one of the guys that you're invested in a bit too early, it can kind of shake up their confidence. You don't risk that at all with, with the Josh Richardson. So I kind of like the idea of him being up towards the top as well. 
um, kind of eating up a little bit of that usage to start, letting everyone else find their comfort zone, um, and then kind of seeing how people fill in the gaps if, if Vassell gets a little bit more comfortable um, in those pick and rolls um, and, and then going from there. But um, I think those are the names that you're kind of going to be considering um, uh, with a bit of Josh Primo as well. So a little bit hobbled to start the year, but he should be um, should be coming in. But um, would definitely as excited as anyone to, to see him do a little bit more. So um, would be um, neglectful to not mention him and throw him in that mix. But again, it's quite young. Um, probably don't want to throw him into the deep end too much, but, um, you know, progressing into it, giving him a bit of everything, seeing um, where he excels and um, and branching out from there. But yeah, my hot take is probably, you know, make, get, get Josh Richardson at least a 15 points a game and oh. um, uh, lean on him a little bit and don't, uh, don't throw off uh, the other guy's confidence too early. I'm left to wonder if there might be like two seasons in a season for the Spurs and, the first half of the season is where they they kind of did this last year too, right? Is a lot of the action center around Doug McDermott's activity and spacing, like his gravity. They they have a guy, they run delay action. He's running off all these little dribble handoffs. They use that to distract the weak side zone. And then they like hit cutters. Who who knows if the, the guy they have on ball is a good enough passer. Like maybe Pirtle isn't making those reads. But that would be very interesting. And I expect them to do a lot of that because it's pop. And then I expect McDermott to probably get traded. And then so far into the season, they would have been slowly bringing guys along. And then the second half of the season is just everybody can try and create. Like you've got the reps, the Josh Primos of the world. You know, he was so young when he got drafted. He's still just trying to break into a rotation and get touches and even have an NBA body, right? And so I'm still younger than a lot of rookies this year. Yeah, absolutely. So I wonder if that's the way that it'll shake out because it felt like that's the way it may have last year if DeJounte wasn't there. And as you said, like, not, not only is it DeJounte who's gone, but Lonnie is gone and Derek White is gone. And it's just yeah. like... Yeah, they're, they're, it, leading, they're leading assist guy returning is, is Jakob Pertl. And so, you know, a lot of it's going to be dribble handoffs and short rolls for Yak, and he's going to be a lot of it. And, you know, in the theme of, you know, uh, a season with uh, two seasons within a season may not make it to the end as well. So yeah. maybe maybe they're setting up Sohan to be a bit of, you know, that sort of foot facilitator at the elbow as well. In the meantime, he kind of steps in. But um, no, I think that's a really good point and and, and um, probably a likely trajectory for, for the season overall. That, that would probably be, yeah, the funnest way to view this season is like, you know, there's going to be a lot of McDermott and a lot of Yawk. And then maybe it's Blake Wesley who pops off at the end of the year. But what maybe it's Trey Jones. Maybe this is the year of Trey Jones, right? But one of those guys, you just if you're a Spurs fan, you just have to hope they're the guy that's gonna pop, which is basically what any team that's rebuilding is hoping for. There's some guys you feel better about, but there's some guys you're like, if they hit, you know, we got a stew going, like Carl Weathers on arrested development. But uh Bruno, is there any parting shots you want to make about the Raptors or the Spurs before we get out of here? No, uh, well, let's see. Um, no, I think I, I think that hot take is that the Raptors will finish ahead of the Spurs. Um, so I'll throw that <laughs> out there. Um, but no, aside from that, um, uh, I think uh, you know the 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 bitterness of Kawhi being gone probably means you'll have a bit more Spurs fans cheering on the Raptors this year. Um, and uh, no, they'll be a fun team to follow for for different reasons than the Spurs. But um, no, like 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 we discussed, I think the Spurs for for the, you know your your developmental sickos that just want to watch these uh these young guys um hopefully hopefully prosper i think the spurs will be um good fodder for that so 
um, hopefully, hopefully a fun season, at least in that respect, if not for uh, the wins that they rack up. Most of us are fodder in some form or another. But Bruno, before we get out of here, uh, the floor is yours to plug yourself. If there's anybody who could be swayed currently that's listening, that's watching, and you're thinking, I want to pay attention to the Spurs this year, uh, let them know where you do your work, what they should be paying attention to, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, no, you can follow me at uh, Pounding the Rock. I'll be writing there, hopefully a little bit more than I have in the past. Uh, uh, but um, good work across the site. A lot of great writers um, over there. A lot of great content, and um, you know, it'll be you'll, you'll be following a website that's trying to you know understand how to how to really follow a a a, a not as seriously competing team as it has in the past for the first time. So getting our head around uh, what that kind of content is like will be a journey in, in of itself. Um, but um, no, yeah, that, that's about it. So I appreciate you having me on and uh, look forward to following um, uh, the Raptors a little bit more closely this year for sure. Bruno, thanks so much, man. Listener, thanks for tuning in with us. If you're watching this on YouTube, like the video, that helps. If you're just listening on the podcast channel, just keep doing your thing. Thanks for popping in. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for us. We'll see ya. Like, comment, and subscribe. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs>